Oh, hi. Keep Nintendo weird, my friends. You just, you just, how rude of me. You just caught me playing a little bit of Wario Land 4 on my Wii U uh, virtual console. Let me, let me put that away. So sorry about that. All dumb cheesiness aside, keep Nintendo weird, my friends. Your boy Seth bringing you another episode of the Weird Nintendo podcast about loving weird Nintendo games. And man, this is an exciting episode for many, many reasons. I've got a little bit to talk to y'all about here in the pre-roll rigmarole. Um, first of all, such an amazing response to the latest episode of Keep Nintendo Weird, Rhythm Heaven with Kevin Fogroggin. A lot of new folks kind of came into the fold from that episode. Really appreciate all the love and support, all the kind words everybody had to say about that. Won't be the last time we have Kevin on the show, um, for sure. But... I gotta be honest, like, like just, just meeting these passionate people and talking about these weird Nintendo games is unilaterally the highlight of doing this show for me. Um, I, I really feel connected to each and every guest that I have on the show, and this week's guest is going to be no different. Um, we're going to have the great Tony Grayson from Summit Sphere here to talk about the Wario Land series, um, because he's got a game coming out that he's working on. We had him on our main show, All in a Nintendo Podcast, which if if you listen to Keep Nintendo Weird and you don't listen to our main show, it's a weekly Nintendo variety show where I get to talk about Nintendo every single week in depth with my good friend and co-host, Eric. So um, links to that are in every video description. They're in every podcast episode description of KNW. We're, we're part of a sort of all-in network of podcasts. Um, so, uh, definitely go over and listen to that episode with Tony on all in. And we talked about his game Anten Blast, which is still currently for a few more days at the time this goes live, live on Kickstarter. If you're listening to this after June 21st, you're already too late, unfortunately. But if you're listening to this before then run over to Kickstarter now, hurry up. It's happy hour. You need to run over and back Ant and Blast on Kickstarter while you still have the chance, because it is a special, special game. Uh, played through the demo here on the YouTube channel. Uh, Tony reached out to me and let me know about this game that they were working on. He's like, look, I think this is right up your alley. We're very inspired by things like Wario Land and like Earthworm Jim and stuff like that, but we're giving it its own unique flavor. And uh, just sort of getting to know him and, and getting to talk to him and just falling in love with Anton and Anton Blast and... It's, it's just been wonderful. So he, again, very graciously came on All In, and then um, it was so clear that we had to get him on this show to talk about Wario Land. I mean, you will not meet a bigger Wario Land fan than Tony Grayson, and I think by the end of this chat, you're, you're going to see what I mean by that. Um, so again, super thrilled to have him on the show this time around, but there's some exciting news for this whole thing, for All In, for Keep Nintendo Weird. Since the last time we spoke, um, we launched a Patreon. Patreon.com slash All In Podcast. We launched a Patreon that has several tiers. I'm not going to break down every single uh, tier here, but when it relates to Keep Nintendo Weird, there are a few ways that you can impact the future of this show. If you like this show and you want a way to support it monetarily, you can go over to Patreon and do that. And there are a few little bonuses. Um, first of all, early access and behind the scenes content for everything we do, be it videos, be it episodes of Keep Nintendo Weird, be it episodes of All In or whatever, is available as often as I can post it. Um, there's already a ton of stuff going on over there at the $5 and up tier, which we call our golden banana tier. 
um, you can get access to All In Side Quest, which is a whole other show on our network where my co-host Eric and I from All In talk about things outside of the realm of Nintendo. Um, so there's already, like, we're already two episodes deep on that. There's a third episode that's, like, already coming out soon by the time you're listening to this. So... Um, there's already like multiple episodes of that, a whole other dang podcast that we do just for our patrons to show our love and appreciation for them. Um, so that's definitely, I think a good reason to go and support over on Patreon. But in addition to that, our top tier, our Triforce tier members, um, get the ability to sort of have voting rights and to pitch in. If you've ever like wanted to grab me through the screen or or through your uh, your earbuds or whatever and say, Seth, you need to cover this game now, um, you can sort of do that. If you join the Triforce tier member, the $10 tier on Patreon, you get vo- uh, voting rights for podcast content, including episodes of Keep Nintendo Weird. So you can suggest an episode of Keep Nintendo Weird to me, put it up, to the top of the queue, because um, again, there's no shortage of games to cover here, and uh, and you have voting rights on episodes I'm already planning on covering. You can get input, request guests, and things like that, which you could already do anyway, but sort of having the ability to directly impact the content that you're supporting, I think is something really special, and that's something that Patreon provides for us. So again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. Another thing that we offer to our Golden Banana and Triforce tier patrons is shoutouts on the podcasts that are produced. The podcasts that you're supporting, you are going to get a shout-out at that tier four, and we are going to do that right now, starting with my good friend, one of my best friends in the entire world, Dan Caparello of Retrologic, uh, in the Golden Banana tier. We got Solo Something. We got John Cummins. We got Matt Murray, Shy Guy City himself. We got Rob Yapel, all Golden Banana tier patrons. And then at the Triforce tier, we got Josh Vaughn. We got Tim A, a.k.a. Neo Prime 33, a.k.a. Nintendo Dad number four, the great... Tim All from the Nintendo Dads. We've got Sparky, and we have Randy Bryans, my Uncle Randy. Thank you all so much for your love and support at the Golden Banana and Triforce tier patrons. You are all wonderful. You are literally making our dreams come true. And again, uh, shout-outs are available. VIP access to uh, early things in the video on the in the YouTube realm. Voting rights on stream schedules, which we just did this past week. An exclusive podcast. VIP status on the Twitch channel, where a special sound alert comes on when you enter the chat. And, you know, again, voting rights on Keep Nintendo Weird. There is so much going on on Patreon.com slash podcast. So, highly recommend. If you like anything that we do... At least give us a look. There's even a $1 one-up tier support that um, gets you early access, behind-the-scenes content, and an exclusive role in our Discord channel where there's a a whole Patreon-exclusive chat over there in our Discord channel. So I I hope, if you again, if you decide to take a look at it, I really appreciate it. I'm not going to hammer this thing too hard every single solitary episode of Keep Nintendo Weird because self-promotion honestly makes me feel very uncomfortable. Um, But... Uh, I did just just want to kind of like break that down for you guys and give our proper love and shout outs to everybody who has supported us at the Golden Banana and Triforce tiers over on patreon.com slash all in podcast. So with all that out of the way, check out the Patreon. We hope you agree. There's a lot of value there. And um, again, no pressure or obligation to support. But if you do choose to support, you're literally helping make dreams come true. And, and we can't thank you enough for that. Um, With that being said, we're going to get into it. We've got an amazing, amazing chat with Tony Grayson about the Wario Land series. 
I, I could not have asked for a better guest for this episode, and you will not see... I mean, this is not the last you're going to see of Tony on this show, that's for sure. Uh, a kindred spirit. Um, I think him and I um, feel very similarly about Wario as a character in a lot of interesting ways. And just a great conversation. We, of course, recorded this thing live on twitch.tv slash podcast. so if you're not following over there, go ahead and do that, because we do as often as possible record the podcast live. So you're going to hear me engage in chat a little bit, and you can kind of be a part of the show live as it's happening. So anyways, guys, we're going to talk all about Wario Land. We're going to talk about Ants and Blast, which you can still, until June 21st, support over on Kickstarter. Links in the description. And as always, we're going to keep Nintendo weird. Hello, everybody. Keep Nintendo weird, my friends. We are joined by a very, very special guest tonight. Uh, you may know him as the as Anton's dad or or Pizza Tower's husband. Um, <laughs> we are joined by the one and only Tony Grayson. Hey, Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's so good to so good to talk to you. We had you on All In uh, recently, right. talking about Anton Blast. And um, it's it's nice to get to chat face to face and not just disembodied internet voices and whatnot. So it is indeed. We got Eric here in the chat. We got Mega Mob. People are already coming out. It's happy hour. So <laughs> it's happy up. hour. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. God. Yeah. Gonna you know, wake everyone else up if I actually put if I actually put some ass into that. <laughs> uh. Well, well, dude. Uh, it's it's a total pleasure to to have you on the show. Uh, super looking forward to, to chatting about Wario Land tonight. But before we get into Wario Land, I want to talk about you for a second. I want to talk about Anton Blast. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the folks out there, if there's anybody out there who is somehow watching or listening that doesn't already know you, doesn't already know about Anton Blast, let the folks know about it. Well, I will say, um, for starters, I think it's safer for me to assume that people don't know who I am. It's, no, <laughs> that's usually, no. that's usually better. But, Zero percent um, chance. But, um... <laughs> On the on chance that you don't, uh, <laughs> I'm Tony. Uh, I'm a game developer. I run Summit Sphere. I'm the studio head and lead designer, uh, and also composer on a few of our games. And we have been next month. It will be, have been four years wow. uh, that we have been making games as a studio. Although I've been making games since 2007. If uh, making stuff on your wee bab counts. Um, <laughs> yeah, wee babby. <laughs> yeah, just a wee babby. Um, and we put out a few different games. We put out uh, Anton Ball Classic and Anton Ball Deluxe and, uh, you know, all these widely acclaimed um, arcade style titles. And people seem to like those enough to justify us making a third one. Um, and I'm joking there like they were extremely modest successes at best <laughs> but um we ended up putting out anton blast as a kickstarter title i just announced that kind of shadow dropped it no real teaser or anything up to that and uh people seem to like it enough to have fully funded that game um and for those of you at home probably most of you that don't know what it is it is a pixel art platformer retro style we call it gba plus 
Uh, it's about a little red man named Anton whose uh, prized spirit collection has been stolen by the devil himself. Of course, this is something that I imagine is like very you relatable. Do. Yeah, like, like you, you do. do. Uh, it's extremely relatable. So uh, as Anton being as pissed off as he is, I mean, let's be real. You know that. How would you feel? Uh, as Anton, you have to smash, bash, crash, blast through now, thanks to reaching this stretch goal, 12 different yes. worlds yes. Um, across the Backburner Peninsula. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really cool little game. Uh, if you like stuff like Wario Land, of course, um, Shovel Knight, Cuphead, Crash Bandicoot, Metroid Dread, you'll like this. And, uh, you know, I like it. I think it's a pretty good game. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I got to be honest. I uh, So it was it was interesting because you, you had reached out um, right before the Kickstarter went live and, and sent over the demo. That's another really cool thing I think about the Kickstarter is you guys don't even have to, like, take our word for it. You can pop on there and download the demo and play it, like, for yourself. Like, you don't have to, you, you, you literally don't have to just, you know, go in completely blind like you do with some Kickstarters. You mm. can actually play a whole level of Anton Blast, and it's already very, like, well-fleshed out, fully formed. People are already speedrunning it, for crying out loud. So, I mean, it, it's it's already very much there. The idea is very much there already, and um, it's it's great, man. Like, you, you guys have Thanks, really, you, you've, you've tapped into something really special, and, and it just, it felt right immediately like that was something that was so important is just like and i think i even said this put a, a video of my demo playthrough on the on the youtube channel and i was like it, it feels right like it feels like because you you know you had all these influences wario land obviously being a big one but um it was so important that it just felt right so i i think you guys you guys have hit the nail on the head and i think people are going to be really excited about this one Thanks so, so much, man. Yeah, no, it, it seems to have resonated with people for some reason. I guess people, <laughs> I guess folks have really wanted something like this. And yeah, I think a, um, I'm not sure if this is a criticism from some of my uh, contemporary, so, you know, my fellow indie devs, but uh, we've been told that the release of the trailer, the Kickstarter and whatever was quite calculated. Um, and I mean, it was to a degree, of course, but I think that's kind of just, you know, standard planning, you know, you want to know exactly how you're going to drop your game on uh, right. you know, your announcement. Um, but I don't think that any of us would have ever predicted the success that uh, the Kickstarter has seen and just the amount of faith that people have put into us. It's because again, like the numbers that we have seen are just beyond like anything that our original titles have been exposed to. So yeah, extremely humbled. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're you're right. I mean, it's something that you guys are scratching an itch that I think, um, you know, we love Nintendo, but like a huge focus of this show is keep Nintendo weird. It's like these these kind of franchises and these games and these concepts that Nintendo doesn't really tap into anymore. So it's up to the indie devs to kind of be like the Thanos, fine, I'll do it myself, you know, sort of thing. So exactly. So so you guys are, are doing the Lord's work, kind of bringing back and, and not that, you know, I hate to sound reductive because Anton Blast is not just a straight up like wario land for clone or whatever like anton no. blast is very much its own thing definitely has its influences and definitely scratches those those itches but anton blast is doing kind of its own unique thing do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the the differentiating factors of anton blast definitely um well i've talked about this i think i talked about this when we were on all in but yeah like the big mm -hmm. the big thing 
for me was like when we decided, okay, we're going to make an Anton platformer and we're kind of going to, this is going to be like a triple A title by comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have were saying to us like, these guys would do a good Wario land, you know? And like, yeah, I agree. Um, but it, w- it wasn't really interesting to any of us, um, least of all me, despite the fact that like I am a massive Wario Land fan, it really wasn't interesting to just go and do Wario Land again. You know, like if right. you just make a game and then like you change the character to Wario and then boom, it's a Wario game. It doesn't really interest me. So at the start of the process in Anton Ball, Anton is very much like this everyman character. And that's kind of just down to the fact that like he didn't really need to be anything more than that. Right. Um, I talked about how that's really like an unorthodox uh, development cycle. But for this game, you know, because I wanted to tell like a stronger story. We all did. We wanted to have something that made more sense. And I think typically great design is born out of great art. So when it came time to think about, all right, how can we make this interesting? You know, the big thought process for me, at least, was. Well, if I look at Anton as a character and I look at his character design, what does what what speaks to me? What speaks to me differently about him compared to a character like Wario or Mario or whatever? Mm-hmm. And if when I looked at him, I was like, you know, damn, this guy looks really angry, right? <laughs> and especially like you know, like the way that I would draw him, I always drew him as like really edgy and spiky, you know, like an Anton Ball. You know, we had some other artists working on that, and God bless them, they're all amazing, like fantastic artists. But the rendition there is like decidedly like uh, Yoichi Katabe style, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like very round, very friendly, um, very family. Um, and then like the way that I always kind of did him was just like this really like grungy adult swim almost look, yeah. you know. So from there, I thought, well, what's kind of something that comes with anger, right? Because he has this, he's really red, he's sharp, he's kind of bold and brash, whatever. And I think, well, if you're angry, you're kicking stuff over, you're punching holes in the wall, you're breaking things down. Well, that makes sense. And what's a, a career that tends to be pretty destructive? Well, demolitions, right? And so then it kind of spun out from there. And you think about ways to kind of iterate and ideate upon that and implement that into the gameplay. And what made a lot of sense to me was because I, at the onset, we knew we wanted to do kind of like an expiration type deal, you know, because I think... Uh, exploration platformers like the large like the biggest logical extreme of that is probably like the metroidvania genre sure you know but like something like hollow knight is a fantastic game but you know if if you have like a wario land title you know that's something that's a little short you know stuff is like a little more compact um so it scratches a similar itch but not quite the same so we knew that we wanted to do something like that because that genre has not really been touched on for a minute and we wanted to bring our own flavor to that. And what made a lot of sense to me was kind of adding a destructive element to that where as you progress through the level, you would be able to dynamically alter things. So uh, in our uh, demo, you know, a very small uh, iteration on this is the theme of detonators that, you know, blow up things that are in your path. And that's pretty small, obviously, because at its core, that's basically just there are walls there and things will break down. Um, but in the final game and actually what we're planning to showcase in the pretty near future, we're actually working on some more dynamic, uh, level changes, you know, stuff like the actual level layout changing as you progress. Um, we'd actually considered doing something also, this is almost off the cuff here, but (laughs) we'd actually considered doing something 
early on when we had much higher budgets planned, we would actually make it where you could go to one level and you would do something there. And then that would dynamically alter what happened in another level. Oh yeah. You know, which is, which is really cool, but you know, budgets got to be kept in check of course. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe for um, Anton blast too. There you uh, go. Assuming that people like this one enough. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, primarily I would say the differentiators really come down to there's that destructive element just as kind of like a core thing. Um, and then secondarily, uh, Anton is just kind of way more nimble than Wario ever was. Yes. You know? Like you have like your shoulder barge, which I mean, in our case, we recontextualize that quite a bit. So it's not really so much of that as much as like a lock on hammer swing. Yes. But uh, then you have your sliding and you have, you know, your hammer bounce, you know, so all this extra stuff um, in terms of movement that warrior couldn't quite do. So it's a, it's a secondary thing, but I do think it makes the flow quite different. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I actually, like I was playing Wario land four, which I think is the, that's probably the game that people would say is the most, you know, reminiscent or immediately contemporaneous to what you're doing with Anton blast. Certainly. But, um, I was, I was playing that like recently, like within the past couple of weeks, um, actually it was, I think it was right after the Kickstarter went live. I was like, I got myself a hankering now for some Wario land four. And I went back and I played it on my Wii U and I've got to be honest, like, the way that the game felt didn't really hold up like no. to, to today's sort of scrutiny, like Wario doesn't really have that fluidity anymore. You know, like in, in retrospect, like when I played that game originally, it didn't bother me, but now it's like, there's a certain stiffness. I don't know if it's in this post Anton blast existence that I find myself, <laughs> myself in, but, but there uh, is a certain stiffness to Wario's movement, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that was a really important thing for us because I find that a lot of people, and again, you know, this is not to slight anyone at all because making any game at all is like, it's a, it's a mountain to climb, you know, which I mean, I guess that partially plays into our studio name. <laughs> I was going to say, um, but it is a massive mountain to climb. And, you know, if your goal is to make, you know, let's say you want to make Wario Land again, or you want to make Paper Mario again or whatever. And like, there have been examples of both um, in the past, certainly, but you know, that's good and all, but in my experience, a lot of older titles could benefit from uh, evolutions and mm -hmm. modernizations, um, just creature comforts, you know? And again, like when going back to Anton Blast and like actually going and personally coding Anton's movement, um, and especially like a lot of that was also like my guttural response to people saying, man, Anton ball controls like crap because it does. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. but going back to Anton blast and, you know, I could have just gone and done like Wario lands four and like, just do that move set again, but it really doesn't control that. Well, it's very stiff as you said. Um, so to go back and then look at stuff, you know, more modern stuff, like, Obviously, like Shovel Knight is a good example of like a retro modern game uh, that controls really well. But then you have stuff like Celeste, which just kicked my ass. Yeah. You know, that was like, holy crap, that plays really well. You know, so I think studying that and studying the way that they handled their buffering system, um, just so many little things. And it makes such a difference. You know, And I not to be self-aggrandizing, but I find that Anton is extremely fluid to control mm -hmm. um, in a way that maybe you couldn't quite get with the Wario Land. So yeah. definitely, definitely, you know, those games are fantastic, but a little hard to go back to in that respect. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, Anson Blast, of course, still live on Kickstarter right now, uh, the time we're recording this. And if you're listening to the audio version or watching the VOD on YouTube, uh, this will be up in time for you to go and support the game still on Kickstarter. So you can rush over there and give them all of your money. We want to see them hit all their stretch goals that you've already done super well, of course, on Kickstarter, but you could always have more. You know, we got absolutely. Games got to come to other platforms, you know. Um, I think we're we're currently we got a hashtag Brulo sweep in the in the chat. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're we're ways off from that, but man, I, I would love to be able to promise that to you. I will I will put it this way: I expected that we would barely make seventy five k in the thirty or so days. Um, so the fact that we hit what we did, I'm but so you're above grateful. that. <laughs> so, uh, so immensely yeah. grateful. Yeah, man. So we're, we're really looking forward to that again. Uh, the links to all of that stuff is going to be in the episode description, video description, and you can go run over there and support Anton Blast uh, still live on Kickstarter. Let's see him hit all those stretch goals. Let's see the Brulo sweep. Let's see. Let's see it happen, man. But uh, to sort of pivot over into Wario Land Land. Um, so yes. many happy hours. That's right. Um to, to sort of pivot over to Wario Land, I I, I want to know a little bit about because I, I you can tell, I mean just immediately talking to you for more than a few seconds, you can tell you have a lot of love for this series and and I mean I think you even said it on on all end when you guessed it over there like there is no bigger Wario Land fan than you, right? No. You're the guy with the Virtual Boy on his desk, you know what I mean? And like. Don't make me so, break it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about about your history. How were you sort of introduced to Wario Land? Kind of what, what what's your journey been like with Wario Land? You know, that's a really interesting question. I think uh, number one, like growing up, and I think pretty much anyone that's played games as a kid can relate to this. When you're young enough, games just kind of materialize. They just sort of show up. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, they just sort of show up. So. Um, what kind of happened for me was the Wario Land games. Like a lot of people grew up with Super Mario Bros. or Super Mario World or whatever. And I played those games, of course. Um, but they came a little later for me. I actually, just growing up, I had basically all the Wario Land titles. Like one, two, three, four. Um, you know, all the Game Boy ones. Right. And I played... I think the ones that I played the least were actually one and two. Even though I had them... Um, you know, and I loved one. I remember loving one growing up, but I played a lot of three. And then I have a very distinct memory of sitting in the back of a car playing four when I was maybe, God, I couldn't even tell you, just too young. Um, <laughs> and being in the music room in that game, because they had that music yes. room with the CDs and they would just display like these really awful images um, and these plays. You couldn't even call it music, really. I mean, I guess in today's um, context, you could. But these are, you know, these are just bizarre ambient sounds, right? And I remember being maybe not more than six or seven years old, if that, and not understanding a lick of what the hell was happening. <laughs> like, just like, it, it, it clicked with me in a way because I think, you know, up to that point, you know, because this was 2001, and up to that point, like, you know, what you had was just stuff like, you know, I had like Game Boy games. Like you had like Wario Land 1, 2, 3, um, which were just these sort of great titles, but they were sort of like these pixel art platformers. 
Um, and they didn't really have like the, because of the hardware, they didn't have the agency as opposed to express themselves in like an extremely weird way. You know, it's Game Boy mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get into Wario Land 4 and then they're like, oh, wait, you know, we can do like pre-rendered stuff or we could take, you know, posterized photos and we can do like weird voice clips. And, you know, because it's like on this small hardware and it has to be compressed to hell still, like it's still just so odd. You know, I felt like there was someone living inside of this Game Boy. Right. And, you know, I, I think the feeling that stuck with me most back then was not even necessarily the gameplay so much. There was this just there was a sort of feeling about it that's still a little intangible to me today. But, you know, games, when you're growing up, games just kind of appear. They You don't really think about the people who make them. Um, they just sort of exist. You know, it's almost like an alien could have sent them down. But this felt alien in a way where it almost felt like the alien wanted you to know who they were. If that makes sense. You know, I love that. It's, it's so hard to explain. Like you would see, like, again, like going into the music room, like you would see the developers dressed up in like Wario costumes. And it was just odd. And it stuck with me so much. I think it, it absolutely, it did some kind of, uh, it left some kind of mental trauma for me that I haven't quite recovered from, which is why instead of going to therapy, I've decided to start a video game development studio. <laughs> but um, really, I think that that game even though I would say maybe it's not my favorite of the series today, I would say that Wario Land 4 and just the whole series was really formative to me growing up. Um, it helped a lot in shaping just my general outlook toward game development um, and just, you know, my sense of humor, I suppose. Um, it's an unabashedly Japanese game, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I owe a lot of other games and a lot of other media um, for my, you know, outlook and my philosophy on game development, and game design. But I think Wario Land is probably it for me. You know, that was sort of the thing that really kind of—that's uh, the Tony flavor, I suppose. <laughs> the Tony flavor, I love it. <laughs> you, you tapped into something I think that is really interesting, um, and 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 you're right. I think I had always sort of had this feeling about Wario Land, but. But the way you put it just now, I think, was was really striking because it, it it is. It feels like there's somebody that that was totally the feeling playing Wario Land Four as a kid, which was my first introduction to Wario uh, Wario Land. Um, was like, yeah, it felt like I had this guy, and like his whole little world was just in my Game Boy Advance. You know, right? Like, there's something to that. There's something really weird and unique about that. My first exposure to sort of the broader scope of, of Wario, because I was familiar with Wario as a character, obviously, but uh, for me, it was WarioWare, the first one on Game yeah. Boy Advance. I love that game. Like, it's I love great. that It's still game my favorite so of the series, actually. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah, it's it's actually, like, far and away my favorite. Um, and uh, I, like, I remember playing that on GBA, and just like feeling so connected to just the vibe like that. That was one of the first times I can recall in my life where I felt connected to the intangible vibe of a game. Like mm-hmm. if it's the personality, the humor, the Japanese nature of it, the artwork of it, whatever the case may be, I felt connected. There, there was something intangible in Wario's little world that I felt connected to. And then 
that was what perked my ears up to play Wario Land when I saw that. I, I have to imagine we saw it like on the store shelf or something, and mm-hmm. I, I like you said, it materialized. I have no idea how I got it. It, it shows but up. It shows like Wario up. does exactly and so but but i get wario land 4 and yeah it it just felt like all of a sudden it's like this is a totally different flavor of the thing that i had already fallen in love with and there's so much like personality baked into things like the animations and like the like you said the sound like i felt really connected to that game in a way that i feel too few gba games and gba is one of my favorite console libraries but wario land 4 like I, I feel connected to that game in a big, bad way. Absolutely, sure. man. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like I said, you know, it's not even I would say maybe today it's not even like my favorite as a designer. I kind of have to train myself to be like critical of everything. Sure. You know, I can complain until the cows come home about Wario Land 4, what it does wrong in my head and whatever. Sure. But it's so special. Like, it's a really special game. And WarioWare, that first one. You know, the others are great. The intelligence systems ones are great too. But that first one, which was done by a lot of the same team from R&D1 as Wario Land 4, it's, there's just something, there's a vibe. It's, it's very personal in a way that I think other GBA games weren't and many other games aren't, honestly. And I think that's an element of those games that is just glossed over. You know, people tend to look at stuff from a very mechanical perspective or just kind of what's on paper but you know you can write a whole book on warrior land 4 and you won't capture the vibe there's just something about it i think crescent moon village the track in that level you know the voices it's got you know it it, 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 as i said it feels like someone's speaking to you like you've got a strange little man inside of your gba it's 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 something else and i think that overall just that was the spark really yeah you know yeah i i feel i just i feel just such a weird connection to it and and i definitely think that when when you look back what i what i wound up doing was i went back through the series by way of things like virtual consoles and things like that um as as time went on and i definitely because i've never played the virtual boy wario land so i definitely want to pick your brain about that um yes but like going backwards is an interesting experience because Wario Land, when it started, was actually kind of like, by my estimation, a little bit more similar to a Super Mario game, like than, than than what it ended up becoming. Like it ended up becoming its own unique thing. But like going back and playing, especially one and two, it definitely kind of felt like it was trying to be kind of let's do a Mario kind of flavored thing, but with this character instead. You definitely, know? definitely, and I think. The design of those games is quite interesting because I th- you can tell that they were sort of R and D one, and you know the team behind like Land one and two, like Mario Land one and two. Right. You know they like Mario Land one is so strange, right? Yes. It's just a bizarre game, and you can really tell that they weren't the EAD folks. They weren't really like super. They weren't R and D four at the time. If we're being like you know intelligent about um, the sure. names here, but. Um, <laughs> They were R&D1. They liked making weird stuff. They liked making Metroid and Kid Icarus and, you know, all this odd stuff. So when they were given Mario, they tried to do that. And Land 2 is a little bit of a response to that in a way. It's like, oh, we need to make this more like Mario World. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they got the opportunity to kind of just make their own thing, it's it's funny because it's not this, but like Wario Land 1, which is Mario Land 3, 
almost yeah. feels like a little bit of a middle finger like screw you for making us do these right. like we're just gonna crap on your mario games um and it's really funny it's like a, i i always like to describe it as like this is what it would be like if nintendo did super gangsta mario right <laughs> like you know yeah. oh yeah what if mario was bad and he wasn't saving a princess he was stealing treasure and you know he's not picking up mushrooms he's picking up garlic because garlic's gross and you know it's it's funny because the design of that game is great like it's a really phenomenal spin on that formula but it is as you said it's far more informed by mario's style gameplay Mm -hmm. and when they got to that second one and i think i think probably the performance of the first one was just so great that they were they kind of had the leash taken off but by the time they got to that second one it started getting really strange you know, and that's when they start moving to that, like, you can't die gameplay. You're hurting Wario to progress. So it, it's interesting to kind of go back to that first one. For me, I will say I love Wario Land 1. It's a great game. It feels like a Game Boy game. Right, right. It's so slow. It's so slow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's sluggish. <laughs> yeah, it's so slow. The game really picks up when you get the rocket hat, I feel. Yes, yes. You know, just, For sure. Oh, he's... Yeah, he's fast now. Why wasn't he fast before? Yeah, that that feels like that should just kind of be like basic movement. Like you should exactly. just, you know, be that fast. But but you're right. I mean, and, and a lot of it I think was probably them just sort of figuring it out. I really like that idea though of like because there there's a certain like rawness to this era of Nintendo's game development and you did get the sense that like you you hear stories like this all the time. Like my favorite Nintendo games are born from situations like you just described. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite Nintendo games are like the 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 sort of Link's Awakening of like can we do this? Can we make this sort of like scrappy little thing in a very short period of time? Majora's Mask, which is maybe my favorite game of all time, you know, similar similar situation, you know, where it's like this is kind of a young, raw, scrappy sort of like project that is made, you know, like ev- everything be damned, we're making this thing. And Wario Land does sort of have that vibe of like, when you look at it in history, when you look at it in the sort of scope of Super Mario Land, you're right. It does sort of feel like a middle finger. I never really sat sat and thought about it like that. It it does. It's it's a total bucking of of everything that they were probably being told to do by the sort of powers that be at Nintendo. And they're like, you know what? No. Like we're doing this. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, it even boils down to like the sound design. I think about like how the Mario coin pickup sound, right? It's like right. this perfectly diatonic major jingle. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, and then you hear the coin jingle in Wario Land, and it's just like this really nasty, buzzy bling. It's yes. like, damn, even down to that, it's like just such a oof, you know? It's so different, and it's it's great. And as you said, you know, it, the, the best Nintendo stuff, or at least the most interesting Nintendo stuff, because I mean, sure. I think you do have to have like the more uh, bread and butter stuff, you know, your Majora's mask doesn't exist without your Ocarina of time. Of course. Right. Right. And by that same coin, your warrior land doesn't exist without your Mario bros. But it's because of that, that the weird stuff is just so interesting. And it's always just that internal competition of like, Oh, you're going to do that. Well, I'm going to do this. Um, and it's, it's just, it's so great. It's so great. 
something kind of like punk rock about it. There's something kind of like yeah. when, when you get into that sort of like raw game development bullpen and you're just like, there's there's all kinds of like stress and stuff like this and you're having to answer <laughs> to like corporate overlords or whatever. And there's just like that bucking of the trend. I And and by the way, I think that there's something and you tapped into this. You talked on uh, on All In when we had John talk about Anton Blast about mm-hmm. how a lot of the inspirations for Anton was like, you know, Captain Haddock and like these sort of like grungy, like cartoon, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. And there's something interesting about that too. When I think about even like one of the most widely recognizable cartoon characters of all time is Bugs Bunny. Right. Mm-hmm. And he is, when you look at Bugs Bunny and you break him down to his core components, he is the opposite of what should work as a cartoon. Like yeah. he's got this harsh, you know, kind of accent. He's like, he's kind of rude and like brash and like all those Looney Tunes are kind of like, there's like a violence to it, a certain rawness to it. Compared and to Mario Mickey Mouse. taps into that compared to Mickey Mouse. Exactly. Yeah. Like Mickey Mouse is mario and it's great and it's classic and you know you need that but then you have bugs bunny is is the wario of it all you know that's a really apt comparison I'd, I'd never thought of that but it's a really good point it is funny that you bring that up because even like with anton like we had that really i had this concern because i'm my job as a game developer and also just as a businessman which is not the fun part to talk about right but you know as a businessman you kind of have to worry and wonder like oh geez you know is this character going to work as a mascot you know because mascots as you said are in a way that kind of typically you imagine that they would be inoffensive to some degree but in the case of anton wario bugs bunny uh this isn't the case. Like these are really brash characters that resonate. Like I think there is like this whole thing of some people just really like the bad stuff. Um, and it's funny because it wraps around going back to Wario. He was the Game Boy mascot. Yes. You know, they after Mario Land 2, there wasn't a mainline Mario handheld platformer. It didn't happen. Until new right. Super Mario Bros. The Game Boy, like Wario was king of the Game Boy. And he was used to market the Game Boy. And the Game Boy sold like hotcakes. No one's going to argue that. No. And it's it's just really interesting how that works. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize. Like, people tend to think that Nintendo dropped the Wario Land series out of sales. It wasn't that. Those games all sold in excess of, like, the millions. They did super well. Yeah. And they sold better each time. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when you get to something like Wario Land Shake It, and and I don't know, I, I know that people have very sort of controversial opinions of Wario Land Shake It. I actually really like Wario Land Shake It. Um, yeah. I So I would love to get your opinion on that, but... Um, sure. I, I quite I quite enjoy that game, but even when you look at something like that, which is on the Nintendo Wii, and it has this like kind of hand drawn art style and things like that, um, very pretty. It, yeah, it's it's like a gorgeous game. There's like so much animation and, and and work done to that game, and I almost wonder if that sort of I, I mean, like, why do you think ultimately Nintendo sort of put the Wario Land series to bed, at least for now? I mean, who knows? By the time this comes out, maybe they'll announce a new one, right? But <laughs> uh well my i'll say this my phone's always open but there um, you go so i have a little uh bit of knowledge on that because i think okay those who fail to learn history are doomed to repeat it in a way so you kind of right. have to 
figure out like, all right, why did this go away? So in the case of Wireland, so R&D one, we know that Metroid was one of their big properties. You know, that was kind of like one of the big R&D one titles. Wario Land was kind of like, it, up, there was a time when it was basically like Wario Land, Metroid. That was what they were doing. Right. And they were sort of like alternating between those two. So, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, you know, you've got Wario Land 4, Metroid Fusion, Mega Micro Games, Zero Mission. Yeah. And then 2005, R&D 1 is gone. They're folded into the main development group. So what basically happened was when they did Wario Land 4, there were a number of new hires made for that game. Um, and that was actually the only Wario Land title that uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, um, who's I think a lot of us kind of look at as like Metroid's daddy. The Metroid guy, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the one game that he was brought on to supervise, which I believe was just because that game was seeing development troubles. It was sort of rushed after uh, three came out, you know, three had like a super lengthy development cycle and four was like, boom, make a launch title. And so I think that's why you see stuff like the uh, hurry up escape timer. Uh, Cause that's obviously right. like a Metroid play. Um, the dash is like the shine spark, uh, the speed booster. Sorry. You know, so a lot of Metroid stuff in there. And then if you look in the credits, yep, Yoshio Sakamoto, so he was brought in to supervise that. And after that came out, they moved on to, or rather some of the team, the team that worked on the platforming stuff moved on to Metroid Fusion. And the team that was left behind that had done the mini games on Wario Land 4 um, and some of the other miscellaneous stuff, they moved on to WarioWare. So after Fusion is done, this is around 2002, Sakamoto-san has the idea, I want to make Zero Mission. He comes up with that concept, brings that team over to uh, make Zero Mission. So basically, there is no platformer team R&D 1 that's there to make Wario Land. And after that, R&D 1 closes. We're into 2005 now, and you know everyone's moved on to 3D, Metroid Prime, whatever. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers is coming out. And Basically, what ends up happening is at R&D 1 and just within Nintendo now, obviously, Sakamoto-san graduated to basically being uh, one of the top uh, people yeah. at Nintendo. Uh, there's really no one flying the flag for Wario Land there because Wario Land, the, that was a game, in a way, it was almost designed by committee. Like It's not really the game that was like a, the vision of one person. It's sort of like a, a bunch of people. And those games went through a lot of different folks. Um, and a lot of the key people that worked on, you know, Wario Land 4, as an example, uh, they moved over to WarioWare, and some of them are still with the company. Um, Goro Abe, uh, who worked on the mini games of Wario Land 4, is just the over, like he's the director of the WarioWare series now and has been for many years. Um, but, you know, I think there really isn't like an interest to go back to that, you know, because they like making the WarioWare games. Um, you know, just at Nintendo, because there are so few resources and just so many IP, uh, you need to have someone who's kind of fighting for that, as Sakamoto-san right. was fighting for Metroid Dread for so many years. And, you know, we, we all know this. Metroid Dread was announced back in, like, 2005 or whatever. Um, but obviously didn't come to fruition for many, many, many years until... He was able to fight for that. There's no one fighting for Wario Land at Nintendo right now, which isn't to say 
hey, they don't like this series. Um, they do like the series. They like Wario. You know, he's featured in a lot of stuff. But, like, I don't think there's anyone there that has a grand idea for, like, okay, we want to bring Wario Land back in this way like Metroid Dread was. Um, I don't really see... Like I said, you know, a lot of those people moved on to WarioWare and they're happy with that. Um, which isn't to say, hey, WarioWare replaced Wario Land. It didn't. But R&D 1 is gone. Intelligent Systems took over those games. And, you know, that's not really the kind of game that they make. Um, I'm not articulating that specific part of it well, but it wasn't down to sales because those games sold well. Even Shake It sold well above expectations. You know, it was it was a well-received game. And very successful marketing campaign. It sold well. You know, people like to say it didn't sell well because it's like, why wouldn't you make more? But I think there just wasn't like a strong vision for the series. And I think also Nintendo is probably hesitant to make more 2D platformers that cannibalize the Mario ones. You know, sure. you have Mario Maker, New Super Mario Bros. Um, you know, the ways that they iterate on that. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to do that too often. If it does happen... It's a Donkey Kong every seven or eight years. Yeah, it's a Yoshi game aimed at the you know a very young audience. So where does Wario Land fall into? You know, it's the niche audience that's maybe that probably going to buy New Super Mario Bros. Anyway, I think if there was, I will say this: there was a stronger chance for it in the 3DS era, in the DS 3DS era, when you had a dedicated handheld system that was doing kind of strange stuff. But when uh, Iwata-san, God bless his heart folded uh, the handheld uh, console divisions into one for a switch things changed you know the dynamic is just different now right. um there were actually was a 3ds remake of virtual boy wario land being made not a lot of people know about that one because it was never announced um but the proof is out there um if people want to look for it i know that they registered some trademarks even for the japanese name uh, which was i think Mystery of the Amazon. It's really clever. <laughs> um, but it, it got canned. I think uh, they were having the Chibi Robo devs work on that one, actually. Wow. Skip Limited. Skip Limited, yeah. 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 You know, wow. But then obviously they closed down during the 3DS era. So you know, it was just really bad luck because I think if that came out and did well, we might be seeing a Wario Land Dread now. Right. Um, so I think now, I don't, I don't know what the future holds because I think... There is sufficient demand. Clearly, like I know, like our game is really good. I know that. Right. But, you know, I think a large part of the success of that is due at least in part to the fact that people really love those games and they want to see them back. Um, And they want to see them back and done well, because I think if you do it where it's kind of like, you know, half hearted, you know, people will notice that. Like I. Yes. I, I remember having a really horrible Dreamed. I'm, go- I'm going into my stream of consciousness thoughts here, but I remember having a horrible dream that they had announced Wario's Comic World, and it was <laughs> and it was this really rancid title where Wario was running around in this like Yoshi's Woolly World style. Oh deal, God, you know, but he was, but it was just rendered in like a comic style, and he was picking up Mario coins and fighting Goombas, and, you know, <laughs> like. I, I woke up and I was like, damn, you know, that sucks. I really wish they announced a real Wario Land. And then it took me, you, you know, you have those dreams. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, crap. Like Wait, you do. It didn't, didn't actually <laughs> happen. Um, I think that speaks volumes to how much Wario means to me that I'm dreaming about him, though. 
yeah. I mean, hey, you're you're dreaming about them and you're working it into your own game. Now you can make Anton's uh, comic world. Uh, oh God, no. Maybe, maybe if I get if I get like you know full of success and I just don't really care what I make anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> you did but, you, you did tap into something interesting there when it comes to sort of there needs to be a champion internally like absolutely um the the last episode of this show was on rhythm heaven and i spoke on that episode um with kevin fogrog and about how um iwata was kind of a big champion of rhythm heaven internally. Like, even though everybody was like, you know, why would you make a new rhythm heaven game? This is not, you know, the, this is not kind of the trend. And Iwata was sort of like, you know what? We, we make it, we make the trends. Hey, speaking of Kevin Fogrog, and oh, he hey, just man. manifested in, in the chat. <laughs> How you doing my friend? Manifesting. And, um, wow. Yeah. And, and so we, we spoke about that though, sort of like Iwata had that way of being like, well, you know what? Like we we make the trends and, and there needs to be sort of a champion of of this kind of stuff internally for this stuff to to get pushed forward. And I think you're probably right. I think that champion is probably not uh not there anymore, sadly. No. Um, no, no. You know, and it's like I think at this point your best bet is probably just having someone who's got a good track record to go up to uh, you know, Tanabe san and say, Hey, we wanna make this. Um and you know it's up to Nintendo to decide, hey, that's worth doing. You know, I, and I've spoken about this. Like, I think it would be great if someone took the reins. In my opinion, I, I don't think that anyone in their current stable would be a super perfect fit for it. Um, I think that those games, you know, if you look at like the Warrior titles, just by virtue of the fact that they were like handheld games, uh, they were titles with a tight-knit team. And I think when you have a tight knit team, the personality of that team will shine through considerably more. And that goes back to what I was saying about Warrior Land 4, where it just spoke to you in a way that maybe other games don't really. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, like even like with Warrior Land Shake It, I think one of the problems that people have with that game is just kind of born of the fact that it's a big AAA console game with a lot of people working on it. So the personality is a little more... Uh, not stock. I don't like that word, but more just it's balanced, right? Some of the rough edges are kind of smoothed out, you know, sure. Warland four is so unhinged. And so for me, my belief is that if you're going to get someone to make a new warrior land, I think it needs to be someone who really gets it and they need to be a more tight knit team to start with. You know, I don't think that for my part, I will say I wouldn't really want something where it's like super fancy graphics or anything like that because I think that wasn't the point of those games. Warland Four is ugly as hell. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you get to the bosses. Yeah, and it's like like garbage pail kids looking yeah, ex- bosses. Ex- exactly. <laughs> you know, so if you get something that has like you know Luigi's Mansion Three level of polish then I think it's kind of like missing the point a little bit. Right. You know, that's not what I want. I think. The hand-drawn aspect of Shake It is really good. I think that was something that made a lot of sense for the series. Just, But for me, I would probably do it in a way that's like more pencil-y or more sketchy than they did. Right. Um, but again, just get like 10 people working on it, dude. You know? get. I don't know. Man, I wish Treasure was still around. I thought they did really good with Wario. Yes. World. Yes, you I know? agree. I really, I really love that game. Yeah. Uh, on the GameCube and and Treasure Treasure is just the perfect developer for something like this, just in general. Certainly. So so talk to me about Shake It because um because again I I really enjoy Shake It but I I do know that there's like 
a lot of contention sort of in the Wario Land fandom for Shake It. It's it's a very like love it or hate it thing. So so talk to me a little bit about Shake It. Absolutely. So Shake It is one. It's very funny to me because you know I had a Wii growing up. I mean, who didn't ultimately? Sure. But like, even though I played like all the Wario Land games and I had a love for them, I somehow missed out on Shake It. I never really saw it in stores. Um, or if I did, I think I just there was always something else that I wanted more. Like I know as a kid, like I really wanted punch out. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I somehow had played a lot of punch out with the NES one as a kid. I was way too good at that. Just slight sidetrack. Like I used to be so good at that game that I was able to uh, beat the whole thing blindfolded, like straight up to iron. What? Rack. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really bad at it now. You don't want to see me play it now. I'm talking when I was maybe like 11 or 12, I was pinball yeah. wizarding that, but like <laughs> going back to shake it, you know, I think, I just kind of saw that game and like, I don't know. It just never really, I wasn't disinterested in it, so to speak, but I just never really saw it. Um, I think it had a short run actually. I didn't right. really see it in a lot of stores. Whereas like, again, like you would see almost every other Wii game everywhere. And I mean, the Wii had so many games. I think you could only stock so many, yeah. but I played shake it. A few years back, I want to say maybe 2020, and it didn't jive with me at all, really, at the start. Like, I just kind of, I thought, hmm, it, I don't know, the personality quite isn't quite there. You know, that was a good feel game, which, I mean, good feel, I think, is like one of those developers that's like, love it or hate it. You know, some people love the Kirby and Yoshi stuff. Some people are just not really moved by it. I mean, I don't think it's love or hate it. I don't think anyone hates their games because I don't think they've ever made a bad game, but I think it's more just like... Either you like them a lot or you're not really... You, you vibe with it or you don't. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Shake It, when I did play it, as I said, it didn't really vibe with me too much. I gave up on it after a bit, which was hurtful for me. Um, but then when we started on Anton Blast, I figured, well, as part of my research during the pre-production, I'm just going to play through every Wario Land game and just see what I can learn. And I gave Shake It another try, and I beat it all the way through. And my thoughts on the personality still remain the same. I thought that it was just kind of neutered a bit, you know, just again, smooth out the rough edges. You know, you got to convince Nintendo to drop the money on this. Um, and obviously, they're probably, because it's not Mario, they're not going to drop that much on it. So you got to really right. consider what you're going to do, which is why that game has like three or four enemies total. Um, but I, you know, I gave it a go and I thought, you know, this actually has some really neat design. It's fun. The levels are bigger than Wario Land 4s ever were, which I liked. You know, I like being able to explore stuff. Um, I thought the simplified mechanics were odd, you know, but I get it because it's a Wii game. They're casualizing a little bit just by nature of the audience. Um, but then, you know, there were some things about it that I actually thought it did better than Wario Land 4. Um, something that i really liked which some people don't like and again this is just me being a designer and thinking like what would i do i always thought that the r dash you know that little run that you can do in wario land 4 yes. i always thought that was a little redundant like it wasn't used that well because it it's really only ever used to break those blue blocks and you see maybe two or three of those um as far as like actual main level design it doesn't get that much use it's just kind of useful in the runbacks so in Shake It, whether this was like a deliberate choice from the onset where they had that same mentality or it was something that they felt they had to do because of the simpler controller, 
what they did was they had abstracted that to a separate device that you jump into. And by doing that, you were able to get a stronger focus on Warrior's general move set. You know, so like the bash and the ground pound, whatever, you know, that stuff all had more utility or it was just more focused on in that game. And they were also able to, because it was a limited thing, they were able to give the dash uh, far more unique uh, mechanics than the Warrior Line 4 one had. So you could run on water. If you ran up on a slope, you could run up walls. Of course, you could use it to break stuff. So, and then there was also just that risk and reward of actually having to keep it up because if you hit a wall, then you lose it. So for me, I thought that was an improvement actually. And a lot of people, you know, like especially like a lot of other Warrior fans that are friends of mine, they're probably going to listen to that and be like, the hell are you talking about? I like (laughs) zipping around everywhere, you know, but for me, it's kind of like the way I look at it is like in the case of, again, going back to Anton Blast for a second, because you know, whatever, some people look at that as like Warrior Land 7. Sure. um, (laughs) The thing with that is my ideal is you move fast already, but then you have something where you can go like even faster. And then that's like a different deal, you know? So maybe I think the mistake that shake it made is that you just are still very clunky in that game. You know, the movement is really not that fun to start with, but I like the idea of abstracting that R dash to a different thing. I thought that was very smart. And the way that they use that was smart too. And I will say the, the runbacks, they did more interesting stuff in that game. You know, you would have like dynamic environments, stuff would fall over. There were bomb blocks they had to run past before they exploded. Um, Alternate runback paths were really cool. So that game doesn't get enough credit in some ways. I think it gets too much and too little sometimes. (laughs) Somehow at the same time. (laughs) It's weird. I do like that game, though. I've come around to it. I've come around to it, but I like it for different reasons than the others. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I really was sort of, I think for me, um, so much of it was just like, and and maybe it was just like wanting to see more games of that style, Mm -hmm. like come hell or high water. Maybe it was just sort of like, it was scratching just even, even if it's a facsimile of an itch, it was scratching an itch that I wanted to have scratched at that time. And then seeing the characters realized, like, I love Captain Syrup. I, I love her. I'm a huge fan of her. I actually... I, I'm curious. I, I want to do a poll for for our patrons at some point about. I, I do this video series on our YouTube channel called Behind Enemy Lines, which is all about like Mario enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done Tatanga and stuff like that, but I I, I really want to do a Captain Syrup episode, but that's technically a Wario enemy, so I don't know. I'm gonna have to get into the weeds on that. But <laughs> but I, but I really loved seeing like the the sort of like those characters realized in that way and that sort of even though it's this kind of cleaned up almost way forward looking you know art style you know you could be you could be forgiven for thinking that it's a way forward game um it's it's maybe a little bit too clean if they were to go back to the well i love the idea of hand-drawn wario but it would be nice to see kind of a rough pencil you know and this is another weird i I keep going back to cartoons when it comes to wario for some reason but my favorite disney cartoons are like the ones that i look back on I, I don't, you know, I love things like Aladdin and Lion King or whatever, but when I look at things like, for example, like Robin Hood or like Fox and the Hound or something, there's like that, you can see the pencil, you know, you can you can kind of see like the rough like sketches in the artwork. And, and I think there is a certain roughness that Shake It is missing that is present in the older like pixel art wario games there's that wrong there's that ugliness that it's kind of missing it needs to be uglier exactly 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I think back to like the uh, the bosses in Warrior Land Four, like Spoiled Rotten and Catbat and Cractus. You know, they're just terrifying, right? Yes. You know, just like this really grungy. It's almost like a Rat Fink. You know, right? Just, yeah. yeah. It's like graffiti style really like gross and almost amateur in a way it's just so good and i think shake it does miss that as good of a game as it is you know i think so much of what sells wario is the personality right you know probably another reason why i don't want to see a 3d one yeah yeah oh no yeah i wouldn't want to see that see that either but even like even something like we brought up wario world earlier like even that somehow sort of tapped into that even being kind of removed from that space it, it did manage to to sort of tap into that at least a little bit and the gameplay of course is very different but yeah um but, well, it's but treasure I mean, it, right like it's, it's that treasure gameplay yeah they, they just they they somehow figured it out you yeah. know no i mean if I would love to see another Warrior World type game. I think I've said before, actually, because Treasure, they're around, but not really now. They're more right. like, they work on like re-releases and stuff, I think. But uh, man, you know, if I saw another Warrior World type game, it would be killer to see Platinum take a swing at it. Like just just something where it's like the beat-em-up mechanics of that are so cool. So go like all in, you know, go like Bayonetta type, you know? Just make it like, be, like over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I think that's perfect for warrior. That's what he, that's what it needs. I think as a series, just like unquestioning, unquestioning. And that I think maybe was the problem with shake. It was just like, it was not weird enough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm all about keeping Nintendo weird here. Um, oh, no way. so <laughs> yeah, you may have heard. Um, so talk to me a little bit. So I, I just maybe sort of, um, I don't want to keep you here all night, but I do want to talk about virtual boy, uh, Wario Land again because I've I've never played it so so talk to me about that a little bit. Well, I can waffle on all night about Virtual Boy Wario Land. I mean, this game is primo. Wow, just this right is, there, just, just right there. there. No, no, no complete I, in I, box. Yeah, no, complete in box. <laughs> I mean, look, look, look at this bloody thing. Like, oh my you know, gosh, I just, just, oh my I, gosh, I've got, I, I, like I said, I don't bullshit when I talk about this stuff. It, it sits on my desk at all times. It's like you know, some people, uh, some people keep a cross. Um, on their wall, and I keep a Virtual Boy on my desk. So, <laughs> Virtual Boy Wario Land is a really special game. That was one that I obviously had played way later because who the hell had a Virtual Boy? <laughs> right, um, nobody. Yeah, nobody except me. Um, but I didn't have <laughs> one um, back then. And growing up, like I would go on like TMK. Um, I don't think I imagine probably a lot of people watching this are too young to even remember that site. But like I would go on TMK and I would read like the guides, which are just formatted in like notepad. And TMK it would be the, the mushroom kingdom. Yeah. For yep. yeah, for those who don't know. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I would go and they would have like these guides on there, which were just straight up like notepad format. You know, they were just yeah. dot TXT files. And it was really funny because I would see stuff, you know, and I would read about these games that I didn't even know, you know, and Virtual Boy Wireland was one of them. And I was reading the guide and they were describing all the stuff like the system where like, you, you know, you had like you had to wear something on your face and like, you know, you had to take breaks. And they described a lot of the system for whatever reason, you know, even though I guess like whoever was reading that. It would be reasonable to assume that whoever was reading that had one of these things to start with at the time. This is maybe like 2003 um but obviously that wasn't true <laughs> so i'm sitting here and this was before you could really find like screenshots of this stuff or anything um 
And I was like, Virtual Boy Wario? Like, what's that? What's a Virtual Boy? And I would imagine <laughs> in my head what a Virtual Boy was. Um, and then eventually, you know, I was really big into indie stuff, even before I knew what that was. So like on the DSiWare shop and the 3DS eShop, you know, I would be super into like Pop Island and all this stuff. And I, I long for the days when that stuff would stand alongside like the first party Nintendo offerings. Right. You know, rather than, you know, if any of my friends over at Nintendo are listening to this, like I'm not sliding you, but there is a problem <laughs> uh, where now like you go and it's like, Dude, if you want to make hentai games, that's super cool. I don't care. That's great. Like all games deserve to be made, but it's like you have you mobile you. games and hentai games. And like, there's just so much and so many games coming out and there's games that take 10 minutes to make and whatever. They're just up on the eShop. But I remember back when Mutant Muds came out. Yes. And Renegade Kid was kind of like, you know, they were like the indie dev. Um, yep. You know, they were kind of like, they were in that weird spot between like, they obviously were not like, Vlambeer were like, you know, two guys and very small and, but they're not obviously Nintendo, you know, they're kind of, they were kind of like in that spot and they were cool and they had like a thing about them. And I remember like following Jules on Twitter for a long time and he started talking about Virtual Boy Wario Land. I was like, oh wait. And then I started looking into that and I discovered Virtual Boy Wario Land. And that was a really interesting experience. You know, I had, uh, found means to play the game, which we won't get into. Um, <laughs> Perfectly legal means. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because obviously, you know, Nintendo hasn't made that game available for whatever right. reason. I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to acknowledge the Virtual Boy. But um, <laughs> I had went and played that game. And I had known Wario Land 4 and 3 and 2 and 1, obviously. But this game was different. This was something else. It was a lot like Wario Land 1. But compared to all the other games, even four, it was so fast. It was just so damn fast. Like the shoulder bar in that game is just poof, like you're speedy. If you haven't seen the speed runs on that game, they are intense. And I think that game definitely did inform a lot of design, you know, on my game. But if yeah. I go and say inspired by Virtual Boy Wireland, most people are going to be like, what's that? You say Wireland right. 4, everyone knows what that is. Um but yeah, I played that game and it just changed my world, man. Like as far as the Wario Land titles go, that is the best one. That is just wow. top to bottom, the absolute best Wario Land game. And no one will ever play it because it was doomed to a console that no one had and Nintendo doesn't want to acknowledge. Rightfully so, because it's kind of a piece. But like it was a piece that had Wario Land and Teller Boxer, two great games. Um, so... BB Wario Land, just it, it's a short game, Virtual Boy, so it makes sense, but something about it is just really great. It, it's it's like everything that I wanted out of Wario Land 1, mixed with so many of the great elements of Wario Land 4, which I believe it shares the same director with. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of similar elements between the two. And the mechanics it introduced, like the layer jumping and all that, it did really, really well. And I will say, you know, for anyone who wants to go and acquire Virtual Boy Wario Land, you're not losing out on a whole lot by not playing it on a real Virtual Boy. Mm. Um, you know, it's still playable. Um, but I will say that when I went out and got a Virtual Boy, and I did get a Virtual Boy and spend a horrible amount of money on it just for <laughs> Virtual Boy Wario Land, you know, I went out and got the box version and everything. And it's a yeah. real deal. It's not a repro. Um, Something does work 
about that. Like it's people moan, they say, oh man, virtual boy is red and it's harsh. It's not, it's pink. It's nice to look at. Just <laughs> stop, stop getting your opinions from YouTubers. It's, it's fine. Sure. Um, but it's a game that actually feels really nice to play. Like you get something out of it. It's, how should I say? It's got an atmosphere about it. And I think the cool thing about that game, just to kind of put a nice bow on that, is it, they seem to have actually gone out of their way to design the graphics and environment with the color palette in mind. Mm. It's almost like you've got like night vision goggles on. Everything is very dark. Everything is very grungy. Right. But if it, the red color palette feels right for it. You know, it feels like you're in like lava caves and then and toward the end, you're practically in like, you know, demon world, you know. So it's it's just a really great game. And I, I want everyone to play it um, because make it available, Nintendo, make it available. Uh, look, I I am telling you this. We will we will go and do a pixel remaster of that game. We will bring it to the Anton Blast engine. Okay. Yes. You know, implying I haven't already worked on that, but um, (laughs) we will do it. We have the tech. We will do it right. We will put it out on the eShop. It's nothing would make me happier. People need to play it. You know, I understand not wanting to bring the rest of the catalog because the rest of the catalog is not that great. But that game, even if you recontextualize it somehow, it's it needs to be played. It's really good. It's really, really good. I, I want to shout out this comment for, uh, for from somebody in chat. Ellis Real nineteen ninety six is a uh, a big fan of Wario Land three. Yes, they say yes. that um, Wario Land three is my favorite Wario Land. It's a shame many people overlook it in favor of four. Um, they say that they like the more expansive levels of three and the way they change as you progress. Three is fantastic. I love yeah. Wario Land three. Um, I am old enough to remember when Wario Land four was not the favorite of the internet. Wario Land 3 <laughs> was the favorite. There's even an old website out there that was like Wario Land 3. I think it's like God's greatest creation. And <laughs> it's just like this site that's dedicated to chronicling everything about Wario Land 3. So I love that game. It's really fantastic. I think it's one of the best designed, probably one of the best designed Nintendo platformers, honestly, just in general. Like it's so meticulous. And you can tell they had like that full two years from Wario Land 2. Um, right. To, yeah. You know, and it's got like this Metroidvania aspect to it, you know, where, you know, with Wario Land 1 and 2 and even 4, um, you have this very sort of linear level progression. But 3 is kind of, they're giving you new power-ups, you know, they're weaving you in through different levels. You know, the levels expand and change. You know, you can alter the world. It is very special, for sure. I think it doesn't quite edge out Virtual Boy or 4 for me. Um, just from my personal taste, um, if I have to stack them against one another, but in all fairness, like my tier list does start out virtual boy equals four equals three. Like they're, they're kind of, they're kind of like right there, you know? Um, I will, I would never fault anyone for having three as their favorite. It is really good. I love it. I love it. So I, I definitely, um, again, I, I don't want to keep you here all night, but let's for, for a quick second. Uh, first of all, I got a shout out. This is just a hilarious comment from chat. Uh, Dash 70. I don't take my opinions from YouTubers. I say stealing all my opinions from summit sphere. I love it. Well, at least you're stealing <laughs> so, the right opinions. That's it. 
you're stealing your right opinions from from Tony and Summit Sphere. Um, Tony, I, again, I want to point everybody one last time as we kind of wrap up. Again, I don't want to take up your your entire night. Um, I want to point everybody again to the Kickstarter for Anton Blast. If it if it wasn't you know obvious just listening to this conversation, there is so much passion coming from from this side of the screen and uh, and so much love for Wario as a character and so much of that baked into the game you're making now. And uh, and I think you guys are really tapping into something special and uh definitely i just again want to encourage everybody uh to go to go and give anton blast a look because it, you guys are really kind of doing it you're doing it you're doing <laughs> Thanks, the dang man. thing it, it, it means a lot and it seems to resonate with people so i'm hoping we're doing something right <laughs> yes and if and hey if nintendo ever does you know we joke all the time on all end that our good friend doug bowser tunes into all these episodes so doug bowser if you want to give tony a call and, you know, have him re-release Virtual Boy Wario, uh, Wario Land. I mean, you know, his DMs are open. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very friendly guy, Doug. Don't worry. <laughs> I won't bite. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll even do it for free. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> we'll just take the Kickstarter money we got. And hey, put there that, you go. He, he you put know? it out there. He said it. He yep. said it. Uh, I'll shout out this one last comment and then and then we'll say goodnight again from Ella's Real 1996. I really miss Treasure. They made Wario World and have made some other really good games like Gunstar Heroes, Silhouette Mirage, Mischief Makers, Astro Boy Omega Factor. It's a shame they haven't made a new game in almost a decade despite still being around just ports of Ikaruga. Yeah, that's that's exactly we uh, Tony and I clearly both love and, and uh, adore Treasure. Uh, for sure. And there's a ton, a ton of treasure games that I still need to cover on this show. Uh, you got some, some folks in chat wishing you good luck on Anton Blast. Um, so, uh, to send us off, Tony, where can people sort of follow you? And, um, and obviously, um, we, I think Wario adores treasure as well. (laughs) Uh, I love that. It's it's true. Uh, It's, she's Um, so right. (laughs) So where can people follow you, Tony, and keep up with Anton Blast? Well, uh, my personal Twitter is at GraysonZ80. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, my last name, Game Boy Processor. Uh, just in case you weren't sure whether I love the Game Boy. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm most prominent. Um, and, you know, I just kind of ramble on about Wario Land and games in general, game development. Uh, I'm a pretty open guy. If you want to send me messages or ask me about stuff, I'm there. Uh, if you want to follow Anton Blast, we're also, again, most prominent on at SummitSphere. Um, on Twitter. And if you want to pledge to the Kickstarter, it's still going at the time of this recording. Uh, that's just AntonBlast.com. We were smart enough to register the, uh, there the you domain. Go. <laughs> Clean. Yeah, yeah. Nice and easy to remember if you can remember how to spell it. <laughs> well, I'm throwing that in uh, in chat right now for anybody watching live who wants to go support the Kickstarter as we speak. AntonBlast.com. There it is. Um, the Kickstarter currently live for anybody watching, for anybody watching the, the VOD. Um, if you're, I, I think the 21st is the final day. Is that I right? believe so. I believe so. Yeah. We went with like a slightly odd amount of days, so I can't remember off the top of my head. So we got four days left as of the time of this recording. All the links to follow Tony and to uh, and to support Anton Blast and to follow um, and and to follow Summit Sphere are in the video and in the episode description. Uh, Tony, thank you so much, man. It's been such a pleasure to sit here and chat Wario Land with you. A- absolutely, man. I am always ready to chat Wario Land, and this is this has been great. It's always a pleasure to chat, uh, especially about things that I like. <laughs> it's more fun than talking about my own game, that's for sure. 
<laughs> well, we'll uh, that's that's fair. Well, again, uh, everybody, give this man all of your money. We want to see all those stretch goals hit for Anton Blast. And uh, as always, go out there, create what you want to create, and thank you so much for helping me keep Nintendo weird. Bye. Bye.